You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Schmink here with you guys once again this week, and this is going to be a pretty loaded show uh, for you guys on Friday uh, listening. A lot to get to. Uh, there's been a plenty of action uh, across the NFL sphere this week, especially at the trade deadline, of course. We're going to kind of talk about all those from a draft perspective as well. Uh, so we'll start with those. We'll go into some of the, I think, biggest NFL draft risers so far in this college football season. There's only a month left in the season, crazy as that sounds. Uh, We've flown by through that. And then we'll get into a little bit of prospects for Packers at the end. So I want to start with the trade deadline. It was massive. Uh, This is, I think, what a lot of NFL fans want to see more of. Obviously, you see... You know, the baseball trade deadline is fast and furious. There's always a plethora of moves uh, leading up to that deadline throughout that week. And it's nice to see the NFL kind of, you know, dipping their toes into that as well. There's just a ton of moves. Um, But I think I want to start with, I think, the biggest winner from uh, this trade deadline for me. Um, And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I will go into why and then I'll kind of switch it over because obviously Packers fans want to hear about what what Claypool's going to look like on the Bears but yeah so the Bears got Chase Claypool from the Steelers for a second round pick in the 2023 NFL draft basically you know this there was a lot of you know funny reactions to this of course it's like well George Pickens basically took over Claypool's role well not really because Claypool was honestly best even at 6'4 and like 238 as a slot receiver as a big slot uh, you could give him some deep threats as well, um, deep threat targets as well. But overall, I think that Claypool was best as a big slot. Give him some deep threat touches. He's he's a really good yak player. You you saw that in his rookie season. He had a lot of touchdowns. He was given the ball on some on some you know jet sweeps reverses. You know they got the ball in his hands and he made plays in Pittsburgh. And that's that's I think what the Bears will will potentially do. Um, you know, they're, they're into that motion. They're into, you know, a heavy running game. They're going to get into play action. They're going to let, 
you know, players flood one side of the field and, you know, give Claypool some chances after the catch, they're going to throw some up to him for sure on deep targets. So the Bears are going to have a plan with this. And I don't I don't necessarily hate it from a Bears perspective, per se. I, I think giving Justin Fields, Claypool and Mooney is a nice start. I still think they need a, a true number one for him. But I uh, for Pittsburgh, this is basically like the you know, you have you're very good at, at, at drafting receiver talent. Uh, even if you know you, you're kind of iffy on Claypool, you got Pickens last year. You feel very confident about Pickens and Deontay Johnson moving forward. Calvin Austin should be back next year. You know, as a speed demon, you know, twitched up, you know, yak threat as well. So I, I think, and and even now with this second, they can go and dip their toes in again and be like, all right, we like somebody you know in this receiver class. We like. Jalen Hyatt, perhaps, uh, from Tennessee, who we'll talk about a little bit later, right? Like they they can add to that receiver room now, even if, if they if they so desire. But to get that second round pick back, a pick that's probably going to be higher than the one they use to draft Pickens, probably going to be higher than the one they use to draft Claypool. I like the process, and even though I know, you know, I think we we tend to overvalue draft picks as a whole. I do like this from Pittsburgh's perspective, based on what they have in the cupboard right now in terms of weapons in the passing game. Um, and they get, again, that, that second round pick is going to be really nice. Even if Pittsburgh kind of enters this like mini rebuild mode with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, I, I like it a lot. And then the Steelers went out and got William Jackson from the commanders who signed a big deal with the commanders, you know, after playing in, in Cincinnati, funny enough, has one of the pick sixes off Aaron Rodgers, If anybody remembers that from 2017, uh, but for him, it was Jackson's playing, in at least in Washington, is playing in a lot more zone than he did at Cincinnati. He's really a guy that you like to see man up a lot. Pittsburgh's been slowly transitioning more to man. They did it a ton last week against Philly. They just didn't have the horses to keep up with Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, right? So now they get a guy in William Jackson who's, who's you know, been that kind of lockdown guy in man that, that you want to have on your defense. Um and, you know, it's kind of like when you go back to that draft, it was that, you know, William Jackson goes right before the Steelers pick and they take Artie Burns right after that. You know, they kind of panicked because Jackson was taken right in front of them. Now they've got Jackson on the team. I feel a little bit better about the secondary. I still think they got to invest there in the in the in the draft this this coming spring. Uh, but I do I do really like that ad. So they get William Jackson. And they get a second rounder next year. That's really nice for Pittsburgh elsewhere at the trade deadline, I want to talk about uh, Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars because this is my favorite, I think. Um, the Jaguars need still need help. Like Christian Kirk is a really nice receiver. You can move him in the you can put him in the backfield. You know, you get him a lot of slot touches. He's still a big play threat, you know, wherever he kind of lines up. But is he that really that press beater that that this is okay, you know, they're manning up on us. They're playing one, they're playing three, they're playing middle field close. We need somebody to win immediately Ridley is still very good at that and I know there's been a lot of time in between he, him playing and the the terms of this uh do revolve conditionally on some things right now um the Falcons get a 2023 fifth round pick if he's re reinstated by a certain date and the 2024 selection is a conditional second round pick if he reaches certain milestones but I think what Ridley's going to do for the Jaguars in, in 2023 is bring that wide receiver one potential to that to that team. And as nice as Zay Jones has played for them, as nice as Kirk has played for them, they're not ones. 
A lot of people have been trying to get Quinn and Johnston in the mock drafts to the Jaguars already, you know, as, okay, let's get that wide receiver one. But, like, this is a player who's twitched up, who's explosive. He's going to win down the field. You can give him deep targets like Lawrence wants to do. But he can, he has that twitch. He has the release package. He can win quickly. Like, this is, as long as, you know, Ridley's gearing to go and he's ready and he's been working, you know, he, he's ready to get back on the field. That's that's awesome for him. It's It'll be great to see him back. This is a huge deal for Jacksonville. And it kind of gives them, as we talk about, you know, free agency is kind of for needs, and the draft is kind of take best player available. Now the Jaguars, who are sitting, I believe, at pick five still right now, that they will now have a little bit more flexibility, take best player available. You know, you don't have to force feed it, you know, going receiver at five. You can if you want to, but you do not have to. And if Jacksonville goes, okay, our defense still needs something, you know, we want to take a corner, we want to move back, we want to take Jalen Carter, we want to take Brzee, like, you know, we if they want to keep investing in the defensive line, they can do that. If they feel like the offensive line needs more help, there's going to be a lot of tackles, I think, that that are starting to creep up in mocks and consensus boards that I think are going to come off a little bit earlier than we think, just because that, that position has to be good in the NFL. You have to have elite pass protectors, like the Jaguars now have added flexibility from that. So I like both of those. I like what the Jaguars did, and I, like I said, I really like what Pittsburgh did. The The Dolphins one is very interesting, but I want to go to the one that's you know in the division first. Again, we talked about Claypool already for the Bears, but the Lions trading in the division, uh, TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. So obviously this, this boosts Minnesota for sure, um, and an offense that has not consistently been targeting the middle of the field very much. Uh, this gives you that guy now, and... It's, it's hard because I know, it, me included, I, I really like TJ Hawkinson in the 2019 draft. And it was like, I, I just think now it's like, if you're not Kyle Pitts, you should not be really a, a top 15, 20 pick at tight end. Like, I know we're going to have that discussion with Michael Mayer, who's, you know, kind of all over the place in mock drafts, not even in the first. And some people got him going top 15. It's just, it's hard for teams to invest there because you get this like slow developing, like when's he going to pop year three, year four. They, they don't want they want instant impact you know difference makers at key positions you know quarterback tackle edge rusher corner receiver like all of those so I, I get why that I think that we're gonna see tight end value continue to fade unless you get a Pitts or probably a Brock Bowers you know I say that and we're gonna probably have one of the 2024 NFL draft but Detroit in Detroit Hawkinson has been very solid he has been you know a, a very quality blocking tight end he's been a quality receiver when he gets targeted he's got that straight line speed that we've seen you know he's, he's got you know yak he can create after the, you know per reception is, is very very high this year but the Lions it, it seems are kind of teetering on like where the, who they want to be right now and I felt like Hawkinson is still just a, a young piece for them and I don't know why they did that per se um, again, a 2023 second, a 2024 third. Minnesota's getting some um, fourth round picks back in 23 and 24. The 24 one is conditional, but I, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of confused in this one by Detroit a little bit, just because again, you have this is a foundationally you're in great shape. You have this offensive line. You have Hawkinson. You have Amon Ross St. Brown. You have DeAndre Swift when he's healthy. You have hopefully Jamison Williams. And so to give one of those guys up, you know, when it looks like this is the the time to be turning the page from Jared Goff to a young franchise, potential franchise quarterback, 
it seems odd to me that you wouldn't keep a guy who's, again, as as reliable as Amon Ross St. Brown has been over the middle of the field. Hasn't been as productive because they throw to St. Brown more, but like he's as reliable as it as it comes at tight end. He's not he's not Kittle or Kelsey per se, but still, again, Hawkins is the top six, seven tight end in the league right now. So Minnesota gets it. You know, they they feel like Minnesota's move there is interesting. They're they're now they're just they love trading within the division, it seems, whether it be in the draft or during the season, but now you have Hawkinson with with Jefferson and Thielen. You feel a little bit better about your passing game, about Kirk Cousins. Like this feels more like not just an all-in move, but I believe Cousins is under contract another year after this one. So it gives you kind of a little mini window if you want to really push Cousins all in. Uh, you know, you're moving a second, but you have the 2024 draft. You could extend Hawkinson, you know, if you feel like you want to keep him around. But they have that flexibility as uh, that fifth-year option that they can pick up. You have him for 2023 right and you can kind of make that decision okay cousins gone hawkinson gone where are we going to be at you know in 2024 so quasi adolfo menza is making some interesting moves uh but it's been very a very fun team to follow uh in terms of what their draft strategy is and what kind of foundationally as an organization who they want to be going forward so very interesting draft. I still think or trade. I still think the Lions kind of come out losing this one because I feel like Hawkinson's been is a should be a big part of what's to come for that franchise. But again, like it for Minnesota. I, I think it's a, a smart move um, while you kind of have a little bit of a grip at the moment uh, on the NFC North. So that's that one. the The biggest one, obviously, is in terms of a, a draft pick, is the Bradley Chubb trade. Uh, Miami sent a tw- their 2023 first. They were supposed to have two. They obviously got four, had to forfeit one because of the the tanking at, and, and st- allegations and, and whatnot that they found uh, with, with general manager Chris Greer. So that pick is forfeited. We have 31 picks in the first round this year. Miami was set to have one still, but now it's gone. They go get Bradley Chubb. This is an interesting move, and they just extended Bradley Chubb for like five years, $119 million as well. So for a guy who, as a rookie, 12 and a half sacks, really broke onto the scene, hasn't been quite the same player uh, since that rookie season. Uh, he's now, I believe, he is in his fifth season now. Yeah, I don't know. He's Availability's been a question. This is an interesting one. I, I do think Bradley Chubb is insanely talented when he's healthy, though. And he hasn't really been the healthiest. I know there's been some ACLs, kind of a freak injury, but to put 119 million uh, right up front—not all of it's guaranteed, of course—but to put that kind of deal up front immediately, obviously, you're, when you're giving a first-round pickup, you're going to do that. But to give a first and do that for him, I I just don't I don't like that totally. Obviously, Denver was kind of in this mode of oh well, we traded for Wilson, we kind of went all in. We aren't. We are. We aren't there. We aren't there. This AFC is way better than we are. Russell. Russell Wilson's not playing to where we need him to play. They now get a first round pick in the twenty twenty three NFL draft, and they can figure out what they're going to do with that. Uh, it is that was a strange one because uh, obviously Miami sends Chase Edmonds uh, to Denver as well, who kind of are, are pretty thin at running back, obviously right now. But Javante's coming back next year. Just a really all-around strange. Uh, but I get kind of Denver saying, listen, we we kind of went all in and we screwed up to kind of just sit there and expect it to be better when we don't have any picks. 
I can't imagine unless, you know, they get somebody like like a Miles Murphy or some some insanely talented player drops to where Denver is picking, assuming Denver, you know, stays in that late teens or, or Miami. I mean, sorry, it's Miami's pick. Miami stays in that or no, it's not. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Oh, it's late. Um, I'm sorry, but it's it's where San Francisco finishes. Sorry. So it, it'll probably be in the playoffs. So it'll probably be 18 to like 24. Um, maybe San Francisco goes on a run and it's even later. So that like late pick in the twenties, perhaps that is now in Denver's hands. That could be, again, you know, somebody wants to come up and get a guy. We need some day two picks coming back to our way. I can't imagine Denver picks at that spot. Like I said, unless some extremely talented player falls to them, this feels like a pick now that they can turn into a lot more. So, Denver's doing the right thing now. They've kind of went all in and they said, okay, we gotta we gotta kind of reverse reverse here and 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 get back on on a course that we can feel comfortable on, you know, now that we have Russell Wilson here for a long time and under a, a major contract. So but Miami, they're clearly all in. They're all in. And Ogba and Bradley Chubb is a very interesting duo up front. They've got a good secondary. I like obviously Xavier Howard. Javon Holland's a great player. You know, they they feel like they needed a little bit more juice on defense. The offense is humming. But again, what, what will be their undoing in the playoffs if they, you know, get get very far? Like, what's going to be their undoing? I think the offensive line is. I There's really no way you're making a move for offensive line at the deadline. Nobody's moving guys that they – because offensive line is so important. So, I again, the all-in move is nice. you got to be able to build a little bit. Uh, to keep this window open with Tua Tagovailoa, or you know, you get back on a rookie deal with another quarterback, and you're able to kind of continue to make these big signings. When's the payoff coming for this? Because they obviously get Bradley Chubb. They also got Jeff Wilson, who's got familiarity with Mike McDaniel, of course, uh, back in San Francisco. So he comes over as, as Edmonds leaves. So you've got Mostert and Jeff Wilson, of course. It's like we never left. Um, but for Miami, for me. It's it's a great move if you if because they believe they're all in. I just don't know if they should think they're all in just yet, in my opinion. But we'll see on that one. Uh, the couple others, obviously. Um, oh no, we kind of got everything with the Dolphins. The Bills one's interesting. The Naeem Hines trade to the Colts. The Colts get Zach Moss. Don't know why they'd want Zach Moss. Honestly, he has not been very good to this point. Uh, but Naeem Hines, I feel like that's kind of what James Cook does. And so James Cook's second round pick for the Bills last year. You know, this explosive running back who's a great pass catcher, who's going to offer you a lot, you know, in the passing game. So does Naeem Hines. So are they is Naeem Hines going to be a returner as well? Like they want to just keep the running back stable fresh. Like they want to just they feel like that, you know, Hines will be able to take early down carries with Singletary. Like I, I just don't know what what the plan is there and and now it makes the James Cook pick a little look a little weird honestly so that one's strange to me but again the bills adding explosive playmakers it's good by me it's good by me and Odell Beckham might be joining them soon so just some thoughts on the trade deadline there we're going to take the break a little bit early here and then we'll come back with NFL draft risers and some prospects for Packers 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, back here with the Always Draft Season Podcast, part of the Net Podcast Network on this great Friday with you guys. Well, as you're hearing this, uh, talk about some uh, 2023 NFL draft risers. Like I said, we have four weeks left uh, in the college football regular season. It goes by way too fast, but want to hit with some, some NFL draft risers. And we're going to kind of get to several positions here. Didn't want to leave any out per se, but there are some that really just haven't had that major riser. Um, but obviously at quarterback, there's only really one guy because everybody's been talking about C.J. Stroud. Everybody's been talking about Bryce Young. So it's about time we talk about Hendon Hooker, is it? Uh, Hendon Hooker, you know, played, I believe, at uh, what is it? Virginia Tech, transferred over to Tennessee. You know, he's an older prospect. He's going to be 25, time of the draft. So... You know, how early is he going to go? I'm not sure. Uh, it makes it very interesting when when people are saying that Will Levis is going to potentially be in conversation for the top overall pick where he's almost as old as, as Hendon Hooker is. Uh, but Levis has more, quote-unquote, tools. Uh, but he also throws, quote-unquote, more turnovers. Uh, so he, he's a turnover machine. And Tennessee really exposed him last week. But... Anyway, I think Hendon Hooker for me right now is QB3 uh, in this class. The big-time throws are there now. He's got enough arm strength, arm talent across the board. He offers you something in terms of scrambling, in terms of the QB run game, if you want to put that, you know, install that in your offense. So, and I think he's, again, a smart decision maker, and he, he really doesn't force the ball. He doesn't make those back-breaking interceptions happen. He's, he's got good enough poise and, and and confidence standing in the pocket, stand tall, make those throws under duress, right? The question for him is, this offense has been, again, tailored to him in some ways because they're getting, you know, a lot of stack routes on the outside. They're, you know, switch releasing. They're getting defenders in all types of confusion. They're running, you know, out of the same formation, but they got guys doing different routes there to, to mess with defensive backs that opens up big plays. So how much, and, and he's reading half the field. A lot of it is half the field, right? And you'll see 
sometimes at, at Tennessee games is you'll see the other half of the field not really running routes at all. They're kind of just strolling up the field where it's they're giving him half field reads. But again, he's doing his job, and that's that's what's good. The big time throws are there, right? And again, he's the turnover where he plays really aren't. The the question will be obviously how he handles Georgia this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic game. There's a ton of prospects to be watching in that one. I hope you guys tune into it. But again, Hendon Hooker's been on the rise, though. There's no doubt he's in the Heisman conversation and should be down at the Senior Bowl. Um, because you know it doesn't matter what type of senior you are necessarily to be down there he'll be down there uh but again he's again great season it's cool to see you know quarterback prospects kind of come out of you know relatively unknown ish Eh, he was kind of on the radar though last year but he's really upped his game this year and that's that's what we're trying to highlight so been impressed with him but again the georgia game is going to be a major test he passed one against bama looked unflappable let's see the georgia one so I want to get to running back too. Um, I want to talk about uh, this guy from Pitt who's been outstanding. Uh, Israel is Abaniconda. Israel Abaniconda. Uh, number two. Where's number two at Pitt? Um, he's been phenomenal uh, this year. Only had uh, eleven snaps in the opener against West Virginia and carried the ball eight times for fifteen yards. Nobody mentioned it. Kind of, he was he was kind of like, all right, it was really no talk about him until against Tennessee, who is the number one team in the country, 25 carries, 154 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's had, again, good grades really all over uh, this season. Never had a grade under 65 uh, and had some really phenomenal games. Obviously, the big one is against Virginia Tech. 37 carries, 322 yards, good for 8.7 yards per attempt, and six, count them, six touchdowns. Uh, in that game, had 101 yards after contact. Actually had 122 yards of his 154 after contact against Tennessee. So he's got 2.79 yards after contact per attempt. Very nice number there. And he is, it's a lot of zone running. At Pitt, he's done some gap running, uh, but the zone running is about 2.6 to 1 ratio. Uh, Yeah, doing some great math there. Um, But he's, again, breakaway yardage. You know, he's got the the burst, you know, to, to break things open when the open space is there, but he runs tough. This is going to be a player who I think has a plenty of early down work at the next level. Uh, it's a shame. He's kind of in a class where, you know, you're getting one of the most talented classes we've seen in a long time. But again, he plays tough. Uh, he really isn't a big fumbler, although he has the last couple games against Louisville, and North Carolina, but he, he's been just fantastic at again, reading out, you know, okay, this is zone. I've got the cutback. You know, what hole am I picking? I'm anticipating. I'm hitting it. And when I don't have options, I take what's given to me. I'm able to break a little bit uh, of co- break a little bit off of contact, pick up an extra one, two, three yards. Like he runs so sound, he runs so smart, but he's tough and he's got the burst. And that's that's kind of almost the complete package. And that's why you're seeing him maybe pop up in some rankings where you're like, who is this guy? Yeah, he is. He's been outstanding um, this year. And 
you know, as you know, we've got only what four weeks left uh, for Pitt. This is the time to, you know, if you haven't watched Pitt yet, get the TV on. You know, he's got 16 touchdowns this year. He's averaging nearly six yards per carry. Like I said, 2.79 yards after contact per attempt. He's he's been incredible this year, and wouldn't shock me if he declares. Doesn't have to though. That's the big thing. He does not have to declare this year, but. He probably should. I mean, capitalize on on the big rise so far to this point for him. Uh, next on the list, if it loads, um, is Chase Brown from Illinois, uh, who I think I've mentioned a little bit before this. Um, but phenomenal year. We've got now eight games down for Illinois. They're seven and one. Chase Brown has rushed for over a hundred in every single one of them. Uh, he has five touchdowns on the year rushing. He also uh, has, I believe, what, three receiving touchdowns as well this year. I need the base stats. But he also has, he has uh, on 20 targets, 18 catches for 120 yards. Just one drop. Uh, that's up from last year as well. But again, this year the big thing for him is... 1,200 yards, five touchdowns, 3.14 yards after contact per attempt. That's higher than Ibanaconda's. And he's he's done still more zone than gap runs, but it, the, Illinois does a little bit of both. And what, what stands out with him is the twitch and that he has to make defenders miss. He can still drop the pads. But let me tell you, when he is in open space, it's going to be very difficult to run him down. The burst, this the the ability to sustain that long speed with him is impressive, and he can handle things in short yardage. But again, he's making plays in the passing game. He's a good receiving back. He can catch the ball. He'll he'll generate big plays as well. Like they, they Illinois are sending him, you know, up up on wheel routes, you know, behind posts. They're sending him, you know, up the seam. They trust him down the field to make plays in the passing game, and. That's why he's seeing a big rise as well. 5'11", 205, plenty of size for the position. This is a guy who could be down at the Senior Bowl as well. And he, I've really enjoyed uh, watching him play. And it's nice that you know he went to Illinois. So big shout out there as well. Uh, don't have a couple, of, just a couple at receiver that I wanted to highlight. But everybody's talk, been talking about Jalen Hyatt, so I want to talk about him. He's close to hitting that threshold that, you know, if you guys remember Ryan mentioned last year about the 1,300 yards uh, in the SEC and the group of players that it was. It's a phenomenal class of players. The last draft in in the spring had Wandell Robinson and Jamison Williams joining that party, but Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith are in there. Uh, I think Ridley and A.J. Not Ridley. Maybe not Ridley. No, Cooper and A.J. Brown are both there. But it's it's a loaded, loaded group of receivers. Uh, Jerry Judy was on there as well. Jerry Judy's coming on a little bit in, in year three. So they're really from having severe busts from that group. Jerry Judy's the one that's kind of teetering on hit or miss. But everyone's been a stud, not counting, obviously, the ones that were in the 2022 NFL draft. But Jalen Hyatt, to this point, has 45 catches for 907 yards. That's 20.2 yards per catch. 
uh, and he has 14, count of 14 touchdowns, had five against Alabama in a six-catch 207-yard game, averaging 34.5 yards per reception. He averaged 33 yards per reception against Akron, caught five for 166 and two touchdowns. And against Kentucky, he caught five for 138 and two touchdowns. So, again, the, the I think the high the highlight here for him is having an eight out of 14 yards. He's a big play threat. This is the deep threat in the class that we've kind of been waiting to. Who's it going to be? You know, a lot of people thought, including myself, that Tyler Harrell from Alabama, from Louisville coming over to Alabama would be that deep threat. He hasn't gotten on the field much. Keishon Butte has been good in that regard because he's a three-level guy, but he has not played very well this year. They've moved him into the slot. That's very interesting to kind of monitor. He plays Alabama, though, this weekend, so you should watch him then. But Quentin Johnston, obviously, from, from TCU really is is the full package. He's he's a deep ball threat as well. But the true deep threat, the like deep threat role, where you're like, all right, this guy is our decoy. This is kind of the Brandon Cooks, the the Gabe Davis is a bad one because he's taller, but like this is the explosive guy you send on the field. I think Jahan Dotson could be potentially put in that category very soon. But you're you know, you're looking at these deep threats. Smaller guys, Deshaun Jackson, obviously is everybody's favorite comp for a deep threat who's a little bit smaller, but he's he's six one one eighty. He's not super small per se, but again, he has been. Again, we talked about it. Eight yards after the catch per reception is a good number as well. In addition to that, fourteen yards of average depth of target. He has been though, and this is I think the important thing to note because. We talk about this a lot with guys, and and you know when you're an X, when you're a Z receiver, you want to be able to win on the outside, right? And I know a lot of people play zone, so it's not always you know got to beat your man in front of you. But when you beat your man in front of you, it's good to know you've played on the perimeter, you faced press, and you can understand how to beat it. Jalen Hyatt has 238 of his 262 snaps in the slot, so that's 90 percent in the slot that is very high um that's it's great that he's getting these big plays down the field and he's generating it he's running open a lot so that's something to monitor but i do think again we talk about zone and and how you can are you able to beat it and you know if you got timing if you've got you know good instincts for understanding where the space is going to be that it you know you can succeeding versus zone isn't a bad thing but it'd be nice to see him on the perimeter a little bit more. He's got Georgia this week. I have no idea if he's going to continue to play in the slot. Obviously, like I talked about with Hook, Hendon Hooker, they're in a lot of stacked formations. So he's often that trail guy. He's not the point man uh, in those stacked formations. So he's not getting a lot of contact from that first defender, that perimeter defender. We'll see what Georgia throws at him this week. I'd love to see Jalen Hyatt lined up against Kayla Ringo for a play. Ringo's a big dude, 6'2", 200-plus but also has the speed to see if, if Ringo or Hyatt can run away from Ringo, that, that would be really cool. But Jalen Hyatt's on the rise and for good reason. Again, he's a strong deep threat. I can't wait to dive into some full film on him, but he's been exciting and he's in the biggest game of the week this week. So it's a good time to see if he can yet again, go over 23 yards per reception as he has um, in four instances this season. So he's been phenomenal. Let's see if he can keep that up this week. I want to talk about one more receiver really quick. I know I've mentioned him um, before on this show, but I want to talk about him as well. 
Uh, Rasheed Rice has had a big year. 62 catches, 980 yards, and six touchdowns. Grades have been a little all over the place. He does have a fumbling issue. Um, he has fumbled a few times this year. That's not a great sign. Got to work on ball security. But his most recent game last weekend, nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns against Tulsa. And this guy, he plays out wide. 83% of the time he is out wide. Uh, he does have 6.6 yards after the catch per reception and an 8 out of 12.4, of which is which is good. Uh, 6'3", 206, he's a bigger guy. For me, I've seen a lot of him, you know, doing a good job, finding space and zone, you know, reliable player on the vertical plane, can work over the middle of the field, and does it all. They're giving him the ball, you know, on these sneak routes from in the backfield. You know, they'll give him it quick on the smoke route. There's off coverage. Let him do some work after the catch, which is good. But then he caught a deep ball, you know, early in the game last week. And I'm like, oh, he can be a deep threat too. Perfect. So he's kind of got the full package. And that's why you'll see him in a lot of top fives now at receiver because he's just been that talented so far this year. And it's easy, to, again, to see why. you, you 3.44 yards per route run. And like I mentioned, the yak and the A dot. So the one thing, the drop percentage is about 12%. He does have eight drops this year. Something to monitor with the hands because, again, that's the same thing he's also been fumbling. But, again, a strong player this year in Rasheed Rice. So I could say Darnell Washington's a riser at Georgia. You've heard me mention his name a lot recently. So I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to shift over to defense a little bit. I want to talk about K.J. Henry really quick. Uh, grades have been good all around. His best grade has been, was against Syracuse. Next best is against Georgia Tech. So his best his best performances have been in conference. That's good. Uh, ACC, while not maybe the best conference, is still a power five. 35 pressures on the year. That's a good number to see. Uh, he only has two sacks. But, again, 35 pressures, good number. This is, again, a Clemson defensive line who's kind of like fastest one gets to the quarterback. He's playing with Miles Murphy, who's great. He's playing with Brzee, who's great. Those two are going to be top 15 picks, most likely. So it's understandable. Um, he does have three missed tackles, but overall the tackling's been strong. Pass rush has gotten better and better for him over the years. He should be a player who goes down to the Senior Bowl to show he can win consistently in those one-on-ones. Um, not a guy who's probably going to drop in coverage really at all. Uh, 6'4", 260. I mean, you can. They, ha they have dropped him in coverage a little bit probably as the closest defender he's been completed on every time. So not somebody I'd necessarily want to be doing that a ton, but again, he is, he has been a guy they've been kind of waiting to break out and he's doing so at a great time. Clemson's resurging, you know, they're undefeated. It's a good time for him. I, I expect him to go down to, to mobile and, and I think make, make some money. Uh, next on the list though, I want to talk about is Zach Harrison uh, from Ohio State, who a lot of people are like, oh, maybe he declares last year. He was an underclassman. He could declare if he wanted to, and he didn't. And people are like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. He's a little bit raw as a brusher, needs to go back to school. It makes sense. But like the the way he's been playing this year, how explosive he is, how powerful he is, you know, generating a lot of pressure. Uh, he's got 14 hurries, 19 total pressures, three sacks. So he's been he, it, it's been a better season. There's been some inconsistencies as a run defender. 
Tackling, he's been strong for the most part. Pass rushes had a couple big games. At least in PFF's grading, he's had two pass rush grades over 90. Those were against Rutgers and Iowa. But I think overall, like in an edge class, that's going to feature a ton of top talent. Zach Harrison has at least shown that he's got the tools to worth developing this time around. And I expect him, I think, to do, to come out this year. I think he has to anyway. I don't think he... Well, pandemic and eligibility, I guess he has one year if he wants it. I don't think he necessarily needs it. I think it's time for him, but I've been impressed uh, so far. Another guy that I think we should talk about, Byron Young, the edge rusher from Tennessee. And if you know Byron Young, the defensive tackle from Alabama, that is not the same player, obviously. Uh, But he has 33 pressures, seven sacks this year. Big number. Uh 15 stops against the run so he's been doing it all 63245 he's more of a pass rush drop in coverage specialist than he is a true defensive end right he's not gonna be a 3-4 defensive end that's for sure he'll be a 3-4 outside linebacker probably can, he can rush hand in the dirt but he, he end upright you can do either one but what what's really been great to see from him is how explosive he is off the ball how he can threaten the outside track Packs a little bit of a punch, too. And guy was kind of really off the radar for the most part. Uh, Because, again, we're seeing him in a a red shirt year. He's only played two seasons at Tennessee. This is his second. So, but again, he is, he had 32 total pressures last year. We've got a month left. He's got 33 this year. Seven sacks last year, seven already this year. 17 hurries last year, 17 already this year. He's matched basically and exceeded his numbers from last year uh, in four less games to this point. So that's something to watch for. Byron Young's been in some first-round mocks. So, you know, Packers, edge rusher. They like, they like Packers like, you know, bigger guys, stronger run defenders, more, you know, explosive to power type of players who are going to generate that pop back rather than trying to win around the arc to defend the quick passing game, but also be able to defend the run. So we'll see if that changes any bit this this offseason at all, but Byron Young could be on the board, but maybe not for them. The last two guys I want to highlight before we, uh, before we get to prospects for Packers, I'm not forgetting it, is another Illinois guy, Devin Witherspoon, who has been locked down this year. Six foot, 180 pounds. Biggest thing for me uh, that shows up for him, he's got obviously 11 PBUs this year, one pick. But passer rating in coverage uh, when targeted, 30.7. Not a lot of touchdown this year. He's allowing 9.9 yards per reception. Not the best, but also like he's on an island most of the time. So Illinois likes to man up. And while the Big Ten isn't necessarily the best receiver conference, he still faced guys who are rising like Nebraska's Trey Palmer. Uh Wisconsin's got a couple talented players, believe it or not. Virginia has really talented receivers on their team. So he's had, and he had really good games against them. He had a good game against Minnesota. So overall, like a couple missed tackle games, but tackling's been very good uh, overall. And he's been dynamite in coverage. This will be a guy, again, great ball skills, good technique, physical player. He's There's a reason he's getting first round uh talk right now he's been that good this year uh Devin Witherspoon gotta remember that name 
Last on the list, who's been rising a ton, uh, another name, of course, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Again, another guy, six foot one eighty, but has a lot of length. A lot of length. Uh, he'll have long arms when he is measured at the combine. Physical, good press player. Another guy who's, again, I'm sure guys, oh, he's got five picks this year, only four PBUs, but the ball production's certainly there. 39.6 uh, passer rating against this year. Again, averaging about 9.8 yards per reception, but overall very good. 13 stops as a tackler. That's good. And the only thing is he he does miss tackles, seven of those, but if he's a lockdown corner, uh, that's all you need to know. Uh, some lockdown corners probably aren't going to be the best tacklers. That's just kind of how it goes. But, again, Forbes has been a strong player this year, and the cornerback class is growing. Uh, I want to highlight Eli Ricks from last uh, from his game against Mississippi State last week or a week two weeks ago. Now uh, they Bama, Bama didn't play last weekend, but he had four he had four PBUs uh, in the game. His first real full action of the year. He's he's back. He's back. The talent, the five star recruit, the pedigree, all that. The talent is there, and I I expect to see him against LSU making more plays this weekend. So that's all I had on some of the big risers. There will be plenty more to talk about next week. I've got something planned where I might just drop a lot of rankings on the show, just basically where they're at right now. We'll talk about a lot of players in that one. So you'll get to hear me rant for probably too long in that one as well. But for Packers fans, what should you watch on Saturday? Well, Ohio State plays Northwestern at 11. You can watch both Paris Johnson Jr. and uh, Peter Skaronsky, two great tackles. Uh, Packers, this will be a kind of a, a hybrid front player, but Tyree Wilson for Texas Tech has been very, very good this year. He's a little bit bigger than just a true pass rusher, so they kind of move him a little bit around the defensive line, but he's playing against TCU. That game is at 11 Central on Fox. Another great opportunity to watch Quentin Johnston if you know for Packers fans who love the receiver position. If you love the receiver position even more, watch Josh Downs. If you got ACC Network, Josh Downs and Dontavian Wicks on North Carolina and Virginia, respectively. That's a great one to t- tune into uh, early in the day. A lot of receiver talent in that one. But obviously the big ones. You want to know who to watch in the big ones. We mentioned Jalen Hyatt. That is in the Tennessee-Georgia game. Should be watching him for sure. Kayle Ringo, another one, 6'2", 200-plus. Like I said, at corner, size, speed, all the traits. Chris Smith, again, a player who I think the Packers will have on their board at safety, number 29 for Georgia, playing against, again, a top offense. Want to watch a big, you know, big ball-winning, straight-line speed type of player as well. Cedric Tillman for Tennessee at receiver as well. Like I said, Byron Young you should watch as well. If you want to watch tackles, Broderick Jones for Georgia, Darnell Wright for for Tennessee, Broderick Jones, a good mover. He's kind of an all-around type of player. Donald Wright is more of, you know, the grip strength, the power type. Doesn't have the best footwork relative to the rest of the top of the class, but a guy who could move into guard. That's So there's so many guys to watch in, in Georgia and, and Tennessee. Jalen Carter, of course. Nolan Smith is out for the year, unfortunately, but... They have, like I said, a lot of players. Uh, Darnell Washington, you could watch as well. Like they're they're loaded. Um, it's going to be a game that everyone's going to be tuned into. And then, of course, LSU Bama at night. So many, so many names in that one as well. But again, Brian Branch at safety, I really think is is going to be a, a goody type player. You can watch him 
He's going to be at the star position in the slot. You'll get to potentially see him with reps against Keishon Butte from, from LSU. So that that is a great one to get eyes on as well. Uh, what else? What position could I tell you? Boise State and BYU. This is a good one if you have just – if you can get that game because of Blake Freeland at tackle and because of JL Skinner at safety. So, again, names, we, names we've mentioned, but want to get those out there – these are big games for a lot of these guys. These are games where you're like, okay, how are you going to handle top competition? This is that. So that's, uh, that's I think, going to do it for this show. Mentioned some risers, went through the trade deadline, and talked about prospects for Packers. A lot of a lot in there. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. You can follow me at Jake NFL Draft on Twitter. Make sure you're tuned in to all things Packernet Podcasts on the feed. So much going on within football season right now, and it's it's still a lot of fun. I know the Packers aren't doing the best, but let's write the ship this week, shall we? Uh, and I will see you guys a week from now. Take it easy.